on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Welcome back to Field Notes. I'm Dave Mason. And if you hear a little bit of background noise today, we're having occasional torrential downpours down here in North Carolina this week. And so every once in a while you might hear a hum or something. That's the rain outside our studio here at Zach Circle in Jacksonville. So uh, bear with us with that. We're just going to continue, though, in episode number 40 now of Field Notes, John chapter 7 and verse number 38 and 39 this week. Uh, Jesus is continuing his sermon at the Feast of Tabernacles, and we're finishing up this week part two of his uh, discourse on the living water. John chapter 7, verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. This week we finished that uh, study of the, of the living water, as I said, and last time we learned about how any man can come and receive the Holy Spirit, and that anyone who obtains the Holy Spirit through salvation needs to be continually coming to Jesus to drink. It's not a one-time thing. Salvation's a one-time thing. You never get saved again. Once you get saved, you're saved. There's no there's no need to be saved again. There's no losing your salvation. But the life of the Spirit requires that we not just come once to drink of the Holy Spirit in salvation, but we come continually after salvation. Uh, we're secure. We're eternally secure. We're going to heaven. But to live this day-to-day life, to live this life in the flesh, we have to continually drink of the Holy Spirit, um, because otherwise our flesh is going to overtake us, and we need that spiritual meat, that spiritual drink, in order to continue living a, a separated, a holy, uh, a, a sanctified life in Christ Jesus. And so, we're looking at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and this time it's the second reason for the Christian to be filled with the Spirit. The first time, the first reason, of course, is to be saved. You need to be saved. You need salvation. Every single person on this earth was born a sinner. And we are all born with the sin nature. And that's that's obvious to anyone who will open their eyes and look. Everyone is born with the sin nature. You've never been told, you never had to be taught how to lie or how to be mean. Or how to not play nice. You didn't have to be taught as a child how to throw a temper tantrum. It is within us to be crass and mean and and selfish and prideful. It is part of the human nature because we are all fallen creatures. So we need salvation. But after we're saved, we need to be continually filled with the Spirit so that we can give the Spirit to others. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly, out of the core of who he is, the, 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 the very uh, center of his being, shall flow out rivers of living water. And this is Jesus speaking of the Spirit. That's what verse 39 says. He was speaking about the Spirit, but they, they didn't understand this. You know, uh, he was saying, you know, this is this is this is what's going to happen to those that receive the spirit of God. They're going to give out. They're going to give the gospel. They're going to give of what the spirit has given to them. They're going to give to other people. Rivers of living water will flow out of their belly. The spirit of God was a promise 
from the very beginning. In the Old Testament, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 44, 3, For I will pour water upon him that's thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. Joel 2, 28, It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Ezekiel 37, 27, uh, 36, 27, I'm sorry, And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. God was promising from the beginning of the law, He was promising that one day, one day when something special happened, once Mashiach has come, once the Messiah had come, He would put His Spirit into man. And God always keeps his promises. First Peter 1.10, of which salvation the prophets inquired and diligently searched, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. The prophets knew something bigger was coming. They knew it. And Jesus promised over and over again in his earthly ministry that if he went away, the Spirit would come. He came to bring salvation. He would leave, go back to heaven bodily, physically, and yet he would send his spirit to the earth to inhabit all those who believe so that they could continue the work that he had started. John fourteen sixteen. listen to this. I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Then you skip over to verse 26 of John chapter 14. And Jesus says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, (laughs) he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. One chapter later, John 15, 26. But when the Comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, He shall testify of me. Jesus is saying, the Spirit of God is coming. The Spirit of God is coming. You, you don't have Him right now. You have me. You, know, you, you have me bodily, physically right here. But when I leave, it's going to be better for you because when I leave, the Spirit's going to come and He's going to dwell with you, with each one of you individually. John 16, 7. Okay, so we look at John 14, John 15, now John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. It's better for you that I leave. The, the disciples are so wrought because Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. I'm leaving you. I'm, these last three, three and a half years have been great, but I'm going. I'm going to the Father. And they're like, no, you can't. And he says, no, it's better if I leave. Here's why. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I would depart... I will send him to you. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is to be judged. And so Jesus says, when I leave, the Spirit of God is going to be able to do a greater work than I can do. Right now, it's just me right here physically. I'm limited. I've limited myself by time and space to just be in this one spot. But when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come to the whole earth. And He's going to convict many, many more than I can in this little area of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria that I walk right now. 
So it's better. And then he goes on in verse 13 of John 16, says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And all things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now we're going to get back to the scripture shortly, because there's some very important things we need to see there in John chapter 16. But let's, let's just say this. The Spirit of God was promised in the Old Testament. Jesus promised over and over again that the Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit came just as He was promised. When Jesus was crucified, He was buried. Three days later, He rose from the grave, right? That's the great news. That's the good news of the gospel. But then for 40 days, He walked in and around Jerusalem proving His deity. He walked and talked. He was seen of upwards of 500 people at one time. He told the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. And he rose up to heaven bodily in front of them and caught up into the clouds. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you shall receive power. Just before he lifts off the earth, Jesus says to him, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. Well, that's where they've been going. That's, those are the areas they've been ta- talking to, uh, speaking to. And those are the areas where Jesus has been teaching and healing. But then he says, and into the uttermost part of the earth. The whole earth is going to hear. And Jesus is caught up in the air. And the angels come and look at the men and say, why are you standing here staring up in the sky? He's coming back in the same way. Now get into Jerusalem where he told you to go. So they go to Jerusalem. And ten days later in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, a sound. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like of a fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, on our first part here. We can say this. We can be sure from Scripture that what God promises, He does. He promised the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We read Isaiah, Joel, Ezekiel, right? We can, we can be sure that God does promise does what He promises to do. We, we know that He promised in our Scripture this morning that those who believe Him will receive the Spirit and that His Spirit will flow out of the believer. We don't receive the Holy Spirit just for us. It's not a, it's not a selfish thing at all. We don't just get the Spirit and keep Him. We let Him flow through us to other people. And so, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and now the purpose of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusion today as to what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. There's a lot of ideas about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some believe that He can give gifts, even today, tongues, prophecies, knowledge, etc., some believe that he's the second blessing, that you get saved, sort of, but then you don't get really saved until much until later, after you've accepted Jesus as the Savior, and you get this second blessing, which is the Holy Spirit. And then some relegate him to third-rate status. He's just a thing. He's something that God uses to channel his blessings, although Jesus over and over again refers to the Holy Spirit as he, him, his. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus outlined that whole purpose in John 14, 15, 16. And here it is, succinctly. Number one, he's the comforter. 
We already read John 14, 15, 16. He's the comforter, right? I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter. A comforter. He's one who assures our hearts and seals us. An advocate. He's an advocate. He stands beside you. He is your paraclete in the Greek. That just That's a legal term. It's like a lawyer. Someone who stands beside you. He's your advocate. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not which what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He stands beside us and makes our argument for us to God. John fifteen twenty six. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, again. How be he when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. So the first work of the Holy Spirit is towards the believer. He, he comes to us. He comforts us. He, he prays for us. He's there for us. The second work of the Holy Spirit is to testify both to the church and to the world of who Jesus Christ is. That's his job. John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for, expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The job of the Holy Spirit is to speak of Jesus Christ, is to lead men to Jesus Christ. The Spirit draws men to Christ for salvation and then guides them as they worship Christ, as they worship the Father, as they worship the Spirit. He guides them. Now listen, folks, please, beware, be very, very aware, wary of the man or the woman who talks longingly of the Holy Spirit and yet little of Jesus. There are some good, honorable, godly Christians out there who are just, who've just got it backwards, and they're just enamored of the Holy Spirit and and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all these sorts of things, and they just it's everything they talk about is about the Holy Spirit. Beware of that. Stay far from that. The Holy Spirit's job is not to receive any honor from us, but to direct us to Jesus Christ who gets the honor. His job is to move us to Jesus. He has suborned himself to the Son. He points men to the Son. The Son points men to the Father. The third work of the Holy Spirit is to the world. He convicts men in their hearts of who they are. He convicts the world. He shows the world just who they are. He shows men their sins. He shows men the truth. He shows them of the judgment to come. So we know that the general purposes of the work of the Holy Spirit, we know that now. We know what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to work in the believer. He's supposed to testify to the church and the world of Jesus Christ. And he's supposed to show the world their sin. But what does Christ mean by the rivers of living water flowing out of their bellies. What does that mean? Well, he says in, in verse 38 of our text today, or verse 30, 30, 38, he says, The scripture says, Out of his belly, he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. 
This is the program of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the program of the Holy Spirit. He is teaching here that the Holy Spirit is not just to reside in our hearts. He's to fill us to overflowing so that he spills out of our hearts and into others. We are supposed to allow the Spirit to flow out of us and allow others to see what he has done for us. Isn't that good? We are commanded, according to Ephesians 5.18, to be filled with the Spirit. It says, be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm not trying to get on anybody's case. I, 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 some folks are convicted differently than me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teetotaler. I don't drink. Never have. And you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is enough. I don't need alcohol or drugs to make me happy, to give me joy. I have the Holy Spirit of God. He's enough. And to my brothers and sisters who think that it's okay to go ahead and imbibe and, and get a little buzz and all that sort of stuff, my, my question to you is, isn't the Holy Spirit enough? Come on. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's supposed to bring us joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And we're supposed to then, we are commanded then, once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, to show the fruit of the Spirit within us to other people. 2 Corinthians 4.13 We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. We having the same spirit of faith. We believe, so we speak. We believe, so we speak. You don't bottle up Jesus. You don't keep him in your heart. I have Jesus in my heart so deep down in there nobody can see him. That's not how we're supposed to live our lives. We are commanded by Scripture to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us and allow others to see Him in us. Far too many of us use our liberty in Christ as a cloak. We're supposed to let rivers of water, the water of God, flow out of us. We use our liberty as a cloak. We we just close in. We can we can we can just be our, be by ourselves and and hermit ourselves away and and we 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 go to church and we sit in the back row and we never shake hands with anybody. We go in late so we don't have to talk to anybody and we're out the door before the last chord is struck on the last hymn because then we don't have to get involved. We don't have to have relationships with people. Then we don't have to open our hearts to people and let them open their hearts to us and we might get hurt. No. We're supposed to drink in the Spirit of God through the Word of God, through prayer, and through fellowship with other believers. And then we're supposed to pour out the Spirit of God into others' lives. This is to be a joy. To be a Christian is supposed to be filled with joy. We're not supposed to be hiding ourselves away. We're supposed to be getting involved. Relationships are messy and they always hurt. You've never been in a relationship in your life where you didn't get hurt somewhat. That's because there's two people involved. And no two people agree on everything 100% of the time. Get into church. Get studying the Word of God. Get involved with other believers and let them hurt you. Because they're going to let you hurt them. Oh, but I would never hurt anybody, preacher. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You hurt just as many people as hurt you. We're all the same. And after, well, this falls 20 years of gospel ministry, I've learned one thing. 
friend of mine taught me years ago, and that's this, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. Get in. Press into church. Get into church and learn and get involved with God's people and open your heart to get hurt because that's the only way you're going to be able to pour out the Spirit of God out of your belly. You're going to be able to let the river of water of life flow from you into someone else. That's the only way you got to get close. We're supposed to be doing this out of joy because we can see people's lives changed if we do it. Isaiah twelve three. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. I'm not much of a three points in a poem kind of pastor. Uh, I've never been that kind of fellow. But you know, my my sermon today, my lesson to you today has three points, and I'm going to end with a poem, and then we're going to be finished. But I, I found this years ago, and I just thought this was a nice little. Uh, saying here, and I think it's something that might bless you. So I leave you with this here. This love in my heart was not put here for me. It's a love that is pure and a love that is free. This love in my heart was not put here to stay, for this love is not mine until I give it away. Are you drinking from the springs of living water, and are you feeding this water to others? God bless you. Thank you for listening. Until next time. I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.